Well, I'm also excited about the foosball. Somebody, you'll get that reference from Waterboy. Um, I was thinking, but God's been convicting me about this lately. I've been, you know, because I'm a hardcore Kansas City Chiefs fan, as is Pastor Brad, as are many of you. Um, amen, right? And, uh, but, I, you know, I, I just got to think if our excitement and our praise for something as finite as a football game is, exceeds that of our praise and our joy over what God has done, and then we got we to reevaluate our priorities, you know? We got to reevaluate our mindset. And so um, we're going to be bringing it next Sunday night when we're cheering for the Chiefs. We're going to bring it next Sunday morning, too. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's, let's hop in. I don't think I'm over-exaggerating with what I'm about to say about this morning's sermon. Um, I, by no means, am, I am not a great preacher. I just sit up here and talk. I don't know why anybody allows me to, but I just go, get, come up here and talk. And I don't think I'm a great preacher, but what I do think I'm about to preach today could change your life forever. Let me say that. I think it could change your life forever. I think that if you take the principles I'm about to preach on today and apply it into your life, it could save your marriage. It could reconcile you to your family member or your coworkers. It could cause you to possibly even get a job promotion. It could possibly cause you to uh, acquire more money, to live a better life in general, to be a happier person. Why? Not because Walker McCallum made it up, but because God did because Jesus did. Today, I'm talking about serving, about serving. 2020 could be described in many different ways. Many different words could be used to describe 2020. Uh, disaster could be one of them. Um, pandemic could be a word that was described 2020. Uh, great if you're talking about February 2020, if you're a Chiefs fan, right? It could be terrible if maybe you lost your job or you were silent. Inconvenient could be a word to describe 2020. There's many different words that could describe the year we just had. But in this year, Pastor Brad and I were throwing around some ideas and talking about what we want this church to be about. And if you got a card in the mail, you know that this whole month is really dedicated to what is our vision for 2021. And we had one word, one word that we wanted to mark this church for this year. And that is serve. We want this year to be marked by the word serve. How can we be of better service? How can we better serve the people around us? How can we better serve God? How can we better serve neighbor? How can we be of better service to everyone around us? And like I said, I do not believe I am over-exaggerating when I say that it will change your life when you begin to think in that state of mind. We want to be a church that is marked by our service. We want to be a, a church that's marked by our servant's heart, servant leadership, servant actions, serving other people. And I think, by and large, we already are in a lot of ways. When people think of the River Church, people that know us in the community know us by our good works. What's Matthew 5.14 say? Uh, they shall see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven, right? And I believe that is really something that marks the River Church. But in 2021, we want it to be a defining trait of our church. Serve, service. We are serving other people, serving one another, serving the community, serving the needs, serving everyone around us. Any and every person in here that has ever worked in the food industry knows that serving is not necessarily uh, high up on the social ladder of, jo of jobs that you want to have, right? People treat you like dirt. They complain because you got their food wrong. They come up with all kinds of complaints. They want you to remake the food. They want this. They want that. And if you've ever been a waiter or waitress, you know they probably under tip you, especially sometimes if it's a Sunday morning after church. Yikes. Okay, never mind. Anyways, uh, 
right? It's not really seen as like a great position. Serving is seen as something lowly, seen as something lowly. But I think Jesus has some different thoughts on that. Getting ahead of myself, though. We want to be marked by service. I want us to be a church that is so consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. Now, if I just stop right there, you say, amen, amen, right? We want to be marked by the fire of the Holy Spirit. We want to be a Holy Spirit church, right? Amen. Come on, somebody. Pentecostal fire up in here, right? That's what we want. We want to be marked by the Holy Spirit. But what's the job of the Holy Spirit? The job of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into holy living, to lead us into Christ-likeness, is to lead us into living a life like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Matthew 20, 28, which we're about to read here in a second. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came in service to one another. So to be a Holy Ghost church, to be a Pentecostal church, to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, really means to live your life in service to one another, to live your life in service to God and to neighbor, to always be seeing the need and meeting the need, as Pastor Brad says, to see the need, but not just to recognize it, but to fill it, to serve the people around you. We want to be a Holy Ghost church. We want to live radical. You ever heard anybody, any preacher, any evangelist say, we need to live radical lives for God? And usually what they mean by that is, well, actually, I don't really know what they mean by it. They, there's something what they mean, and then there's what you intend it to mean whenever you perceive it, right? What I mean by living radical is this, is that we live in a culture that's so consumeristic. It's all about what you can do for yourself to benefit yourself, to grow your life. It's me, myself, and I. It's what can I do to promote myself and to grow my life and my career and my finances and my way of living and me, me, me. You know that Toby Keith song? Um, what's it? Uh, Want to talk about me? Pastor Brad knew it right off the top of his head. You know, that's what he's been listening to lately. We know his playlist. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, right, I want to talk about me. You know, that's, that's our culture. And, and for, so all you Toby Keith fans know that, but then a couple years later, the younger people will know this. In, in 2010, I think it was, or 2011, uh, a rapper by the name of g Easy came out with a song, Me, Myself, and I, that was hit the top of the Billboard charts. And so everybody in my generation was singing, Me, Myself, and I, right? And so, solo ride until I die. That's our culture, right? It's, it's, and there's also that commercial that J.G. Wentworth, um, no, or it's my money and I want it now. What's that? What's, what? Yeah, it is J.G. Wentworth, I was right. It's seared into your brain. You can't forget it, right? It's my money, and I want it now. The point being is that the American culture has taught us since we were babies that it really is all about you. It's all about that the world revolves around you. But is that what the gospel teaches? Is that what Jesus teaches? Is that what God wants of us? Is, is God uh, really all about you know, you living your life in such a way that it's all about you, that you're selfish, that the world is self-centered around you? No, of course not. Of course not. I'm getting ahead of myself, man. I'm just all over the place here. But the Holy Spirit is to lead, lead us into a life of service, a life away from American consumerism and to a life of serving other people, of being others-focused, not self-focused, of being others-focused. We can spend all the time in the world talking about different philosophies and, you know, different ideas that people have about what's the meaning of life, you know. Because, um, I mean, seriously, if you ask people around the world, you know, what's the meaning of life? You know, what should, you know, what's life all about? There would be people who would tell you just to just get rich, man, just to work hard and just do, focus all on that and focus on yourself. Focus on yourself. Um, 
But what Jesus shows us is that the life more abundantly, John 10, 10, the, thief come, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and give it more abundantly. The abundant life is found not whenever we look inwardly, but when we look outwardly. What did Jesus say, for those of you that know your Bible? If you seek to save your life, you'll what? You'll lose it. If you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you give it away, you will what? You'll find it. You'll find it, right? Jesus understood, and I'm hoping that we will understand in the year 2021, that true life, true happiness, true joy, true peace, all those things I just named, happiness, joy, peace, are hot commodities, right? There's been a lot of, a lot of increases in, in suicide lately, and, and that is absolutely terrible. Peace, joy, happiness are hot commodities come by today. You can't find them, but everybody wants them, and they're looking all in the wrong places. Where are you going to find it? Well, Jesus says you will actually find your life when you give it away. Isn't that interesting? You'll find your life when you stop being so focused on you and your problems and your wants and your desires and your needs and you look to others and you begin to help other people and you begin to fill their needs. And really, that is one of the most Christ-like things that we could do. Amen? After all, Jesus did say it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? It's more blessed to give than to receive. So much of our culture we have been taught, get what you want, when you want it, however you want it, at whatever stakes possible. But to really live a radical life, to really live a, a life radically turned on for Jesus, we have to reevaluate what does it mean to live the Christian life? What does it mean to live in relationship with other people? And how are my thoughts acting? You know, what are my thoughts? What are my actions towards other people? That's why I said this could really change your life this morning. So for the reading today, Matthew chapter 20, we're going to start with verse 20 and end at verse 28. I'll read. It's going to be up on the screen, I believe, and uh, we'll go from there. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? Jesus asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Oh, I lost my spot. Words are hard. Oh, there it is. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I, have no, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, listen to this. You know what the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. He said that again. We talked about living radical, right? We talked about living different, you know. Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the greatest among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. 
I've been talking so much I forgot to even pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that uh, your word is powerful. God, I pray, Lord, that your words, Jesus, your words would cut to the heart this morning. Lord, that we would begin to examine our lives and see where can we begin to change? Where can we begin to become more like you? Lord, I do pray for the Holy Spirit conviction in this place. God, that you would begin to shape hearts and shape lives. God, draw us closer to you. Show us where we have fallen short. Lord, I pray, God, that you would begin to, to just reveal that to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I need some volunteers. I just need three people. Three people, raise your hand. Anybody, or I'm going to start picking people. Okay, Jaden, come up here. Next, somebody else. Paul, come on up. And uh, Jeremy. Next time. All right, yeah, give him a hand, give him a hand, give him a hand, come on up. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Who wants to be Jesus? Jaden, raise his hand first. Jaden will be Jesus. Give him a hand, give him a hand. Okay, so take your, take your throne, all right? And uh, I'm going to have these two seats here. Don't sit down yet, don't sit down. Go ahead and take that. You can see where we're going with this. We'll move this around here. No, you can, no, Jaden, you take your seat. You're Jesus. You're always on the throne. <laughs> You're always on the throne. So, you know, all good mothers want their kids to succeed, right? They, I mean, they want the best for their kids. And so, you know, you, we would think in this uh, Jesus to his disciples affair, you know, like the, the relationship and whatnot, that it would just be them. But no, their mother gets involved. And when the mom gets involved, everybody seen Glory Road? Anybody seen Glory Road? You know that scene where he's not doing very good in school, and so his mom comes in and sits in on class with him? They're like, who can answer it? My son, Harry can. Okay, if you've seen the movie, it's really funny. But if not, the point being is that James and John's mother gets involved. She says, Jesus, I've got a favor to ask for you. What is it? He's probably like, you know, what's going on? Just kidding. He's Jesus. He probably already knew. But she said, will my son sit at your right and your left hand when they come into the kingdom? Well, they sit the right and the left hand. See, they were, they were interested in places of power. Go ahead and take your seats. Go ahead and take your seats. See, in, in this culture, see, we don't really operate on a, a kings and kingdoms type of government now. It's, it's, it's a democratic republic, not a monarchy. But in that day, they would sit and they would have people at the right and left hand. It simply just it, it signifies power, right, that they're sitting there and, and they are positions of power. This is where they wanted to sit, right? And so he wants to sit at the left and he wants to sit at the right why do they want to sit there well they want honor they want to be recognized they want the little they want the clout they want the recognition they want the the kind of swagger they want the kind of uh what are the other words i could use the prestige that goes with being at the right hand of jesus right they want to be recognized and right in each and every one of us all of our egos we want to be recognized too right we want to be in the positions of power we want our boss to say nice things to us we want our coworkers to say nice things about us we want people to compliment us we want to feel good about ourselves and so you can't really blame them for what they wanted to do here right but jesus says you've got it all wrong you've got it all wrong because they weren't fit to sit in these spots. They weren't fit to sit in these spots because they didn't understand. You see, normally in a kingdom, Paul sitting at the right hand, you know, the king would tell him, okay, go and do this. And so he would get up and, and he would tell John the servant to go and go get me a glass of water, right? Or they, he would say, go do this, go do that, right? 
Traditionally speaking, places of power are used to advance whatever they want to do, right? Because just because they're in the place of power, they can do what they want to do to, to purpose their agenda and to get done what they want to get done. What Jesus says is that you actually should use your power not for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. You see where I'm going with this? Jesus subverts something that we all understand, kings and kingdoms, rulers, the places of the left and right, the power of the left and right. And he says, do you even know what you're asking for to sit in these spots? Because they think it's going to be all hunky-dory peaches and cream by sitting at Jesus' left and right hand. And many of us in here say we want God to do something in our life. We want God to exalt us. We want to, we want to do something great for God. We want to be servants of God. We want to go on mission trips across the, across the seas. We want to go do all these great things for God. But I don't know if we know what we're asking for. Because to really be in a position of power in the kingdom of God is not to be powerful at all, but it's to give your power away in service to others. You guys can go sit down. Give him a hand. Kind of a silly example, but I want you guys to get a visual of what we're talking about here with the kings and the kingdoms of what Jesus is talking about here when he is talking to these youngsters, James and John. Actually, I don't know how young they were compared to Jesus, but they were immature in heart. And they really were just seeking recognition and prestige, but Jesus is telling them, no, you're going to drink this cup of suffering. You're going to have to live a life of servanthood. And I'm afraid that, I want to be very careful about how I say this. There is no other life I would rather live than a life in the will of God. Amen? Amen. Let me say that again. There's no other life I'd rather live than a life in the will of God. But the will of God is not always this, you know, wonderful road of rainbows and sunshine where nothing ever bad happens and you're never going to have anything, you know, terrible happen in your life and it's always going to be wonderful for you. That's just not true. It's just not true. Jesus said, in this life you will face trials and tribulations, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Jesus said they will drink a cup of suffering. You'll drink a cup of suffering and you and I as people that are striving to be Jesus followers, sometimes there's going to be suffering in our life, Right? There's going to be suffering. And the biggest thing I want to get across to you this morning from, from all of this, and this is the point of Jesus' words are this. We should see God-given power or our life advantages. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that you don't relate to that situation there where we're talking about you know, positions of authority and whatnot, but maybe you've been given some sort of advantage in life. We shouldn't see God-given power or advantages as something to lord over other people, but as a way to lift other people up. So moving away just for a minute, away from the whole right and left hand thing, you have been given things in your life. You've been given talents. You've been given abilities. You've been given uh, maybe advantages, whether that's wealth or strength or time. You have something to your advantage. Everybody has something. Everybody's been gifted something. Everybody has been given something. We do not use what we have to benefit ourselves, but we use it to benefit others, to pick others up, to serve other people. Each and every person in the kingdom of God has a talent, has an ability, has something that we use to serve other people. Real kingdom power is using our advantages. 
whether that's strength, wealth, time, skills, you know, technological things, whatever you want to say, to lift other people up. It's not about, Bradley said this before, this is scriptural, it's not about building bigger barns or bigger houses or nicer cars or this or that. It's about serving other people. That's what it's about at the end of the day. It's about serving other people. And so Jesus uses this, this, this image of a position of authority, the right and the left, to say, that getting authority doesn't really matter. We're going to read about it here in Luke here in a little bit. But he said, who's, who, is, who is more special, the one who sits at the head of the table or the one who serves? And traditionally speaking, you would say it's the one who sits at the head of, head of the table, right? But Jesus said, I am the one who serves. So then we've got to ask ourselves, what we would rather be? The person with a lot of power or the one who serves? We've got to rethink in our mind. Okay, let's get practical. What does it mean to serve? in your relationship, in your family, because I said this could change your life. What does it mean, and this is not a rhetorical question, this is something for you to actually, so actually technically it is a rhetorical question, but I want you to actually think for a second. What does it mean, for those of you that are in relationships in here, husbands, what does it mean for you to serve your wife? Think about it. Ralphie said something snarky back there, I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> Amen. Husbands, what does it mean? What does it mean, practically speaking? Because every relationship is going to be a little bit different. But what does it mean for you to serve your wife? For you to use your advantages? For you to use your position to better benefit them? How how can we better serve them? How how can you better serve them? Maybe doing the dishes or something. I don't know. Right? Ask. Ask them. That's it. There's a tip for you. I don't know much. I ain't there yet, but ask. You know, how can I be of better service to you? That'll get you on the good side. Get you some brownie points right there. How can I better serve you? Wives, how can you better serve your husband? How can you, be, how can you be of better benefit to him? How, you know, for so long that, that and like I said, I'm not, I don't know anything on this. I'm just spitballing right here. This is just my opinions. For so long, the whole husband-wife thing in Christianity has been, um, you know, very much, you know, one-sided. Where it's like, you know, the husband just says, do this, you know, and it's more like the, the wife is just like a butler of, of some sort, right? I think it's supposed to be a reciprocating relationship, Obviously, you know, the Bible, the Bible does say clear things about how the relationship runs and whatnot, but it's a reciprocating relationship. God made us for one another. And so I think asking that question of how can I be of better service to you, both parties, is going to fix a lot of things immensely. When you begin to ask that question, watch how you guys start to get along a little bit better. There's some food for thought. Your family. Have you ever thought, how can I better serve my kids? A lot of people hate their kids. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. It's true. A lot of people hate their kids. But asking that question of how can I better serve my kids opens you up to a position of love because you can't serve at a position of hatred because then that's, that's kind of like just like, you know, that's not good. A position of love is how we serve. And so when you begin to ask how can I serve my kids, and it's like, so you're opening up. It's, a, every, it's like that with every single one. Your family. How can I begin to serve my mom, my dad? You know, enter family member there, right? 
Let's keep going. How can I serve my coworkers? How can I better serve my coworkers? How can you better serve your coworkers? Ask yourself that. This is not, I'm not, I'm not just asking vague questions so we can think about things and, and grab coffee and have deep thoughts. No, I'm, I'm actually asking you, how can you, how can you better serve your coworkers? How can you better, how can you be of better benefit to them? You know? These are things, some things I can actually speak on now because the whole relationships and family thing ain't there yet. But I can speak on this. There are tasks in your workplace that you keep avoiding and keep pushing off to other people that you should probably just do on your own. Rather than just burdening everybody else and being lazy, maybe you should be of better service to the people around you and begin to take on some more load, begin to take on some tasks that you keep pushing away to them because you hate them and you want them to suffer. I'm just kidding. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm preaching to somebody here. I don't know. But how can you be of better service to the people that you work? And also not even just physical service, spiritual service. You know, have you ever talked to a coworker and said, how can I pray for you? Man, it rocks their world, especially if they're not a believer. When you ask them that, they're like, what did you just ask me? They look at you like you just spoke Chinese or something. You know, it's like, no, but it will open up a conversation. It will open up a conversation and you can share with them the goodness of God. That's a way to serve somebody in your workplace. In your school, for, for younger people around here, your college your, your, or, your, or your high school, how can you better serve people in your school? in your school, or people who, even here, who work in a school. How can you better serve people in school? How can you better serve your students? How can you better serve your fellow students? How can you better serve the people around you? You see, whenever we begin to think outside the box and we begin to get out of our own head and out of our own selfishness, then we'll see God move. We, you know, a lot of people, you know, why isn't God moving in my life? Why isn't God doing this or that in my life? What, where's the hand of God in my life? Begin to be selfless and you'll see God move in your life. Begin to get outside of yourself and you'll see God start to move in your life. As you begin to take these steps, I promise you, I promise you, go and apply this. Sports teams, how can you better serve people in your sports teams? You know, that just applies to a couple of people in here, but it's nevertheless is true. Lastly, how can you better serve people in your church? Save the best for last, didn't I? And I'm just going to say it because this is just how it is. American culture has turned church into something you do rather than someone you are. Let me say that again. American culture has turned church into something that you do rather than someone that you are. Being a part of a body, being part of a group of believers, being part of a family, part of a community. That's what church is. But American culture has turned it into something you just check off of your weekly list, okay? Yep, did it, my, got my religious duty. And what if we begin to ask the question of how can I better serve my church family? And what if we actually meant it? What if we said, how can I actually begin to serve the people I go to church with better? How can I begin to bring benefit to the house of God? How can I begin to benefit the people around me? Then God can really run wild with your imagination, right? You can begin to see God's hand move, not just outside of the church, but in the church too. What it means to serve is to be selfless, to be others focused, and to be loving. That's what we need to do in all of these situations, in all of these places. Amen. All right, we're closing it up here. Luke 22, starting with chapter 14. I don't have this on the, the scriptures, Mr. Bo, but 
a lot of it is what we just read. Jesus, it's just in a different, different section of the Gospels. Luke 22, starting with verse 14. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. They took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, or gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other which one of them would ever do such a thing. Then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. It's interesting because this is a different time, so I guess they didn't get it the first time. It's a different chronological spot. I guess they didn't, they didn't get it the first time Jesus said it, right? Jesus told them, In this world, kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called the friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as the one who serves. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Jesus says some really important things that I want to draw out as we enter into our time of communion. We're talking this morning about serving, about serving other people. And it can seem like something that is just law. It's just a command. Oh, I need to be better to my wife. I need to be better to my coworkers because the pastor said so, right? Because the preacher, the preacher guy said, you need to be better at serving other people, so you got to do it, right? You might hear it as condemnation. You might hear it as law. You might hear it as a command. But I don't want you to hear it as that this morning. I want you to hear it as this. The Lord Jesus Christ, he sat down at a table with his disciples, with the ones that would betray him, the ones that would turn his back on them, the ones that would go off and that would leave him and desert him, and every single one of them would leave him and go away except for the the apostle john that was by his side of the cross and they would all go away yet he sits at them he says i am sitting here with you as friends he's sitting with them as friends and what does he do he says take eat i want to serve you i want to give to you and so what i want to tell you this morning is this is that we serve other people especially the people that we don't like especially the people that get on earth we have enemy love in our hearts why not because some preacher told us to but because god first loved us and first served us by giving his blood by giving his body on that cross for us amen somebody are we awake this morning jesus has given us life and so we serve not because we're just you know some guy said so but because we mimic our savior because furthermore the apostle paul says not that we're just living like him but he's living in us amen 
And so as believers, we're not just people that are just skin and bones walking around with a brain, but no, the living God is inside of us, propelling us and, and showing us where we can be of better service to people around us. And so when we take communion every week, don't think of it as some dead religious act, but think of it as a replication of that which was done by Jesus. He said, I want to serve you. The very first line there of what I read, he said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal. Very eager. Jesus had an eagerness about him to serve other people. An eagerness about him to get this meal ready, to the hospitality, the, the getting everything ready for the people, serving other people. And let me tell you something, serving isn't sexy. <laughs> you don't see billboards out there of people saying, be a better servant, you know? You don't see that. It's not going to be written on a pillow at Hobby Lobby, okay? But it's the way of Jesus, and it's the way that we're called to live. And if you want to live a radical, Holy Ghost-filled life, it begins with serving other people because that's what Jesus did. Serving, 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 serving. So River Church, I challenge you in the year 2021, we need to ask ourselves, how can I be of better service in every situation, every situation, even the little ones. When you're in line at Target or Walmart, how can I better serve the person in front of me? Maybe the person in front of you can't pay for their food. You know, you're going to serve them by paying for their stuff. It's kindness. It's, it's going out of our way for outreach. This sermon, in a lot of ways, is a sister sermon to, to the outreach sermon I preached uh, three weeks ago. We have to be outgoing, outreaching to the people around us and serving them. That's how they will know we are disciples. It's by our love, right? That's what Jesus said. They'll know you're my disciples by your love one for another. And love comes forth in service to one another. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask now if, um, if John and Isaac, if they will come and serve the communion. 